Welcome to this episode of Sound Bites, a podcast series produced by the National Psoriasis Foundation, the nation's leading organization for individuals living with psoriasis and psoriatic arthritis. In each episode, someone who lives with psoriatic disease, a loved one, or an expert will share insights with you on living well. If you like what you hear today, please subscribe to our podcast and join us every month at SoundBites for more insights on understanding, managing, and thriving with psoriasis and psoriatic arthritis. My name is Corinne Pettit, and I'm here today with Dr. Grace Kimmel, who completed a fellowship in dermapharmacology at Mount Sinai and is now a resident with the Department of Dermatology at ICANN School of Medicine at Mount Sinai. Dr. Kimmel will talk about biosimilars and their efficacy in the treatment of psoriasis. Dr. Kimmel published an article about biosimilars in the April 2019 issue of the Journal of Psoriasis and Psoriatic Arthritis, a journal for medical professionals published by the National Psoriasis Foundation. Welcome, Dr. Kimmel. Thank you so much for agreeing to be on SoundBites today. So over the last few years, we've heard a lot about biosimilars, and recently we've learned that there are 13 or more in the development pipeline. Since some of our listeners may not be aware of what biosimilars are, let's first start with what a biosimilar is and what's the primary difference between a biosimilar and a biologic. Sure. Thank you for having me. To start, biologic medications are those derived from living cells and target specific parts of the immune system. By definition, a biosimilar is highly similar to an approved biologic product and should not have significant differences in purity efficacy, or safety parameters. They have the same mechanism of action as their reference biologic medication and are given in the same form and dosage. So biosimilars are not exact copies or generics as we sometimes hear. Yes, that is correct. Biosimilars are not exact copies of their originator biologics. Biologics are large and complex molecules, and knowledge about their production is proprietary to their manufacturer. Therefore, it is not possible to create an exact copy. Biosimilars are, however, manufactured to be highly similar to the reference product and have the exact same mechanism of action. Okay, so what's the difference between a biosimilar or an interchangeable biosimilar? How are they approved by the FDA? So as I mentioned, biosimilar medications must be very similar to the reference medication and have the same mechanism of action, efficacy, and safety. An interchangeable biosimilar must also meet the criteria of being able to produce the same clinical result as the reference biologic in any given patient. In addition, an interchangeable biosimilar must include sufficient data to prove that the risks of safety and decreased efficacy of alternating between use of the biosimilar and the reference product is not greater than that of using the reference product without any alternation or switch. The FDA closely regulates all of these criteria, including review of structure and function, pharmacokinetics, animal toxicity, and clinical trials data to confirm that the proposed product has similar efficacy, safety, and immunogenicity to the original drug. Post-marketing safety data is also monitored. Interestingly, biosimilar guidelines allow for extrapolation of data such that a biosimilar can be approved for an indication for which the original biologic is approved, even if the biosimilar was not directly studied in a clinical trial for that indication. Well, they're very thorough. Yes, very thorough. So what do you feel is driving the development of biosimilars? Is it primarily cost? I think cost is definitely a part of the drive in biosimilar development. Biologics are very expensive medications, some of the most expensive medications that we have, and biosimilars are projected to be somewhat less costly. Hopefully, this may increase access to care for patients with psoriasis and psoriatic arthritis. However, it does remain unclear if the cost savings will be passed along to patients at this point in time. 
I know that's something our listeners are definitely very interested in. Yes, yes, of course. So how many biosimilars are currently approved for psoriasis? And perhaps the bigger question is, how many are currently available for use by patients? In the United States, there are biosimilars to adalimumab, etanercept, and infliximab approved for psoriasis and psoriatic arthritis. However, availability for use in the U.S. has thus far been limited by patent disputes with the original manufacturers of the biologics. So in my understanding, currently only biosimilar infliximab is actually available for patient use. In addition, the manufacturers of the original biologic can provide discounts to insurance companies and pharmacy benefit managers. So despite biosimilars being somewhat less costly, they may not end up being the preferred medication by a patient's insurance plan for these reasons. So how efficacious and safe are biosimilars? Does the clinical trial data show any difference between biosimilars and biologics? So biosimilars are required to have very similar efficacy and safety data as compared to the originator biologic. The clinical trials data for the approved biosimilars show this in great detail with similar reductions in disease severity and safety profiles between the biosimilars and their originator biologics. For example, uh, in psoriasis, the trials with the approved biosimilar for adalimumab show very similar decreases in psoriasis severity scores as well as safety and immunogenicity profiles. And are there any adverse effects from using a biosimilar? And are those effects similar to a biologic? By definition, the biosimilars must have similar safety data to the originator biologic, so the adverse side effect profile is similar to that of biologics, and we expect that the safety profiles uh, would be the same as what you would expect from, from the original medication. What is the SO biosimilars and or DERM bioregistry, and how important is that data for these registries? Registries such as these provide highly useful data on therapies in the real-world setting. These type of registries provide valuable information on long-term treatment outcomes with different medications, especially biologic agents, that aren't always captured in clinical trials. Therefore, they provide extremely valuable insight on prescribing drugs in a clinical setting. And why are the biosimilars based on TNF-alpha inhibitors? The TNF-alpha inhibitors were some of our first biologic medications uh, for psoriasis, and patents for these original biologic agents are reaching their expiration date. Uh, So this is why we're seeing biosimilars for these agents now in development. So you previously mentioned clinical trial data for biosimilars. Can you talk a little bit about the results of those clinical trials? So, uh, starting with some of the adalimumab biosimilars, uh, which have been FDA approved for the indication of moderate to severe plaque psoriasis, uh, in the phase three 52-week study of one of the adalimumab biosimilars, uh, patients were randomized to either reference adalimumab or the biosimilar. Um, and at week 16, those who had had at least a 50% improvement in their psoriasis area and severity index score on the biosimilar continued on the biosimilar, and those originally randomized to the reference adalimumab were re-randomized. And the improvements in the psoriasis area and severity index at week 16 uh, were 83 for adalimumab and 80.9 for the biosimilar. The adverse events and anti-drug antibody incidence was similar between the biosimilar and adalimumab, and there was no significant safety or immunogenicity differences between the groups after the transition. So another stu- recent study with an adalimumab biosimilar uh, evaluated the impact of multiple switches between the biosimilar and reference adalimumab following the demonstration of equivalent efficacy and similar safety and immunogenicity to reference adalimumab. And they showed that switching between the biosimilar and reference adalimumab up to four times over the course of the almost one-year study had no detectable impact on efficacy, safety, pharmacokinetics, or immunogenicity. We also have clinical trials uh, 
data for the etanercept biosimilars, which was also FDA-approved for moderate to severe plaque psoriasis. So patients in this study were randomized to either reference etanercept or the biosimilar. And patients, again, with over 50% improvement in their psoriasis area and severity index at week 12 were re-randomized to continue their same treatment or to undergo a series of three treatment switches between the biosimilar and etanercept. Uh, and then patients were continued on treatment up until week 52. So the week 12 scores, uh, looking at the psoriasis area and severity index, uh, improvement of 75% was reached in about 73% of patients on biosimilar and about 76% of patients on etanercept. And from the beginning of the study to the end of the one year, the mean scores and percentage change in psoriasis area and severity index were comparable between the two agents, as were the incidences of adverse events and immunogenicity. So switching between the two treatments did not affect efficacy or safety. Um, We also have studies looking at infliximab biosimilars. uh, And in Europe, biosimilars of both infliximab and etanercept have been approved and are available for patients. So again, looking at the SO Biosimilars Registry, uh, they looked at a couple hundred psoriasis patients treated with biosimilar infliximab, some of whom were switched from the original infliximab to the biosimilar, and some of whom were naive to the originator infliximab. Psoriasis area and severity index scores remain unchanged in the switch group, and psoriasis area and severity index improvements by 75% uh, responses were seen in 80% of patients in the infliximab naive group. There was no difference in adverse events between the two groups. Oh, great. So it's showing that those that were switched to a biosimilar they didn't have any change in their efficacy of their treatment. Correct, correct. Yeah, the, and that came from that registry data. Oh, okay. And on the previous ones, they were switching between the biosimilar and the original medication for etanercept? Uh, yes. So some patients uh, went through a series of treatment switches between the biosimilar and the original etanercept. Oh, that's great news. I know some of our listeners have commented how if they stop a medication and go back on it, it can lose efficacy. So Right. And that's definitely a concern in the area of biosimilars where, you know, we're not sure if patients will have to switch between the original and the biosimilar once they're available for use here in the United States. But I think that that's a reassuring fact that we have now in the literature. Yeah. And I think it's reassuring for patients, too, to know that other countries have gone through this as well. Exactly. Yes. So looking forward, what would you say is the future of biosimilars? I think we are going to see continued development of biosimilars, and pending the current patent disputes, more may soon become available for patients here in the U.S. I am hopeful that this will lead to better access and outcomes for our patients with psoriasis. Well, more treatments is never a bad thing. Right, exactly. So do you agree with this statement that earlier biologic intervention has the potential to improve long-term patient outcomes? And will biosimilars play a role in the reduction of risks associated with related health conditions? I do agree. Many studies have shown that psoriasis is associated with a variety of other systemic diseases and that biologic therapy can reduce some of these, including cardiovascular disease risk. Biosimilars may offer a lower-cost alternative to the currently available biologic agents and could increase access to care that can significantly lower the risks of many of the associated health conditions. Good news. Yes. (laughs) So what final comments would you like to pass along to our listeners about biosimilars? So I hope this has been informative and given you an overview on the topic of biosimilars, which I think we'll be seeing more of in the future. I think that this is a really exciting time in the world of psoriasis drug development and anticipate that we will continue to see growth in biosimilar manufacturing. For further information, there's a great area on the MPF website with frequently asked questions, or I encourage you to speak with your healthcare provider. 
If you would like to see a visual representation of what we've just discussed, please register for our webinar, A Biosimilars Update, which will be broadcasted later today, November 5th at 7 p.m. Eastern Time or 4 p.m. Pacific. You can also check the time zone converter with other times. To register, go to psoriasis.org forward slash webcasts. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Sound Bites for people with psoriasis and psoriatic arthritis. If you or someone you love has ever struggled with psoriatic disease, our hope is that through this series, you'll gain information to help you lead a healthier life and inspire you to look to the future. Please join us in a couple weeks for another inspiring podcast. You can find this or all future episodes of Sound Bites on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, and the National Psoriasis Foundation webpage. To learn more about this topic or others, please visit psoriasis.org or contact us with your questions or comments by email at podcast at psoriasis.org.